Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verses 17 through 22. Listen now for the word of God. You shall not deprive a resident alien or an orphan of justice. You shall not take a widow's garment and pledge. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, but the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheep in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be left for the alien, the orphan, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all your undertakings. When you beat your olive trees, do not strip what is left. It shall be left for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, do not glean what is left. It shall be for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this. The word of God for the people of God. I was in the Blanton Museum of Art looking for God. Staring at these two paintings? (laughs) These are two completely blank canvases hung on the wall. I thought, what in the world is going on here? I hadn't started looking for God in the modern art area. I started in the centuries past area, and it was like low-hanging fruit. There's, you know, Mary and Jesus. There's the apostles. There's depictions of Jesus' life and ministry. I thought, well, we could just go, I could preach a sermon about any one of these things. But then the voice in my head said, is that the point of the sermon series? To find God in easy accessible places, right, and say, this is where God was in this picture of the disciples in the boat. No, the, the whole point of this series, the Finding God series, is for me as your pastor, for all of us to get outside of the places we normally expect to meet God, to walk through those spaces with eyes and ears open and to realize God wants to meet us there too and is speaking to us there too. So I, I left uh, the early fan art of Jesus, and I went into the modern art gallery. There's some really interesting stuff there, y'all. It's really, uh, there, you should go see it. There's one where there's a video playing. There's two videos shot on an iPhone of a lady dressed in stuff she found on an airplane. So think barf bags and toilet paper and seat covers and paper towels. And she's got two outfits she's created, and she's in the airplane bathroom, you know, that tiny little bathroom with the iPhone, and she's singing under pressure in duet with herself. So fascinating. But I thought, thank you, Jesus, I was not on the plane with her because I never would have gotten into the bathroom, right? It's just this lady singing with toilet paper on her head. So there was that. There was this entire work of art, maybe y'all have seen it, made out of black plastic combs, just in different configurations with different tines missing that that paints a portrait of a woman. And there's many, many other things, but the one that really stumped me is these two blank pictures. And in my head, I heard my cynical little brother. My little brother is so cynical about modern art. And I heard him saying, this artist is a master She's a master of her modern art craft because she has convinced the Blanton Museum to buy two completely blank pieces of artwork and call them art and hang them on the wall in the gallery. But not being such a cynic as my little brother, I thought, okay, they're blank. What is this trying to say? And so I looked at the little placard that explains it. That's where you go if you don't know what's going on. And it said, most sensation is at the edge of things. 
And that's when instead of looking at the center, which was blank, I looked at the edges. And that's where the artist had put this really dark black band of paint and inside it, as you see, and it doesn't come out in pictures, but that gold line of paint is shining and vibrant. And I read on about Joe Bear, who's this artist, and she said, look, every patron, every gallery goer, every critic goes and they look at the center of the work. She's like, I'm tired of it. I'm not painting the center anymore. I'm only going to paint the edges and make you see how prejudiced you are about the center, that you think it's blank because there's nothing in the middle. It's not blank. The paint's on the edges. I met God with this apparently blank painting because I, I suddenly realized, oh, I know another artist that privileges the edges, that fills them with color, that wants us to take our gaze, not just put it on the center. The center is yes. God always adds the and. Yes to the center and the edge, right? God would have us draw our gaze away from not just on the center but out to the edges and the people who are there. And God does that again and again throughout salvation history. He calls people up from the edges of society and, and has us look at them and makes them into leaders, right? So the Egyptians held the center of their day. They're the world power. Pharaoh is the most powerful man on earth. And God doesn't say, what am I going to do with these Egyptians? You know, how can I work with them? He says, how about the slaves? The people who would count as nothing, it's them I'm going to make into this nation and rescue and deliver and, and give them their own place. Think about David. God sends when there's going to be a king of this new nation. The prophet Samuel has to go pick him out and anoint him. And, and God says to Samuel, go to Jesse's family in Bethlehem. And I'll tell you which of those sons to anoint. So the dad, they, Samuel says, I'm here to anoint the next king. Get your sons. Jesse lines up his sons from the oldest to the youngest, and Samuel starts looking at each of them. And every one, God says, not that one, 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 not that one. We're out of sons. And so Samuel says, well, Jesse, uh, God hasn't selected any of these. Do you, do you have any more sons that you didn't bring out here? And he's like, well, uh, yeah, the runt who didn't even count enough to bring into the lineup. He's, we just put him with the sheep because... He's not important enough for this kind of thing. And Samuel says, go get him. And as soon as the runt comes out, Samuel can sense this is the, this is the young one that God is picking, not the older, stronger, soldiery ones, the one that was forgotten. When you think about where Jesus is born, you know, God could have sent his son to Jerusalem, to the palace, to the most powerful people in the nation, in his chosen people. But he sends Jesus to Mary and Joseph in a town called Nazareth. Who's ever heard of that? I mean, we have. It's famous now, but it was nothing then, right? It was Paris, Texas back then. Where's that, right? Um, then they have to, they're so powerless, and, and we know they're spiritually strong, but politically, they have to go while Mary's pregnant to be counted because a ruler says it. So they have to go, and they go to Bethlehem, which again, that's David's ancestral home, but it's a footnote until Jesus is born there. And Jesus isn't even given a place in a home. He's a place with animals. 
and the, the good people of the town don't come see the Savior of the world be born. It's the shepherds who smelled like sheep and the foreigners who come. When Jesus calls his disciples, he doesn't go to Jerusalem and say, who are your brightest students here in religious studies? Who has the highest degrees? Who has, has the most respect? He's like, hey, you're a tax collector on a road that I'm walking on? You, come on. Fishermen, let's go, right? Scum of the earth, you're in. I mean, this is what God does. God has us look beyond the center to the edges and say there is life there and there is promise there and we need to look not just in the center of things and how can we get to the center and how can we help our family, but we need to think about those on the edge. We need to know God is doing amazing things there too, that there's a full tapestry to see. And that's why I love this, what I thought was a blank painting, which is not a blank painting, um, and I love the explanation. I learned about her. And this is an art critic, so it's got art critic language, but this is what this critic says. In privileging the peripheries, Jo Bear questioned conventional ways of looking at art. She put color at the edges and nowhere else, forcing us to look away from the center to a place we often ignore. That's, a, that's God's call. She, jo Bear is painting one of God's call to his people throughout time. That if we find ourselves in the center and we find ourselves in the land and we find ourselves blessed, we, unlike everybody else, we don't forget to look to those who are most in need. And so in the passage that Pastor Matt read, the people who have been on the edges are coming into the center. God is going to give them the promised land they're going to have houses and they're going to have orchards and vineyards. They're going to have everything that they have never had in their lives. And God says, when that happens, when you are in the center, please, my people, don't forget about the people on the edges. See them and care for them and provide for them. And God names three groups, and I'll summarize them for you as in one category. He names widows. And you've heard me say before, a widow back in this day was so different than a widow in our day. Uh, the widow had lost every ability to speak for herself in society, to earn a living. If someone wronged her, she couldn't even go to court because no one would listen to a woman without a man in that day. So this is a person who is very vulnerable and often very poor, and God says, you have to care for these folks. The orphans, um, maybe they have one parent alive, maybe they've lost both. And now they're having to rely on uh, distant relatives to take care of them and treat them with kindness. And will they give them anything to start a life with? Or is that for the kids that are in the family? Orphans were often very destitute in that time. And then foreigners or aliens, as some translations say it, the people who were not Israelites that came from somewhere else because of a problem in their country, Maybe because they saw how great God's people were. All kinds of reasons, but they're now in Israel, and maybe they don't speak the language very well, and they definitely aren't, they don't have all the advantages that the, the citizens have, but God says, take care of them. When you have a day's rest, a Sabbath day, it's not just for you, Israel, God says, it's for your servants. It's for your animals. Everybody rests. You're supposed to treat everyone like a human being of sacred worth, even if they're working for you. And he says, you're supposed to be real sloppy when you harvest things. 
right? Just real. If you forget something, don't go back for it. If you're beating the olives out of a tree, leave some. If there are grapes, if you're harvesting grapes, you know, don't dig under all those leaves and get all the grapes. Be sloppy so that the poor, which is the larger umbrella of widows and orphans and foreigners, so that the poor can come behind you, enter your fields, and have enough to eat. Not enough to put away and store in barns, but enough to keep them alive. That those in the center are supposed to share some of what they have, not all of it, some of it. And let the hungry and the poor and those without a voice gather it up. Now, y'all, that call still holds today. That anyone who is in the center and believes in God is to see the edges as well and to care for the people who are there. And when God talks to us today, the name widow and orphan and foreigner, it might take a little bit of nuance, but it's the folks who are on the edges. The folks who don't have a voice, they don't have power, they don't have resources, they're looked down upon, they're hated, they're despised. Maybe we don't even think like, that we want to be a friend with that, but God is calling us that this is a person with sacred worth. Foreigners today, people who weren't born here, people who don't speak our language, people on the edges, widows who have lost a spouse and don't know what they're going to do, grandparents who are raising grandkids, veterans who are suffering silently with PTSD, Some of you in this congregation have told me you're afraid to hold the hand of the person you love. Anyone who feels on the outside, anyone who is older and trying to live on social security and doesn't know how they're going to make ends meet, any of the families who have to get their food from donations at Helping Hand because they can't afford it otherwise, Anyone who can't just hire someone to paint their house, they, it won't get done. And so they need someone to help them, and they can't do it themselves. The people on the edge, God is calling us, any of us who have been blessed in whatever degree, to simply see the edges, see the worth, and then engage. Just say, hey, this is a full tapestry of life, and God has given me so much that I can help and you can help, and we can help, and that's why we're here. Because I worry sometimes that, this is just a human tendency, it's not unique to our society, but we see it in our society, that we focus on the center. How do I get there, and how do I take care of myself, and how do I build this, and how do I advocate for my kids and my grandkids, and how do I build up what I have? That's just society, it's life, it's human nature. And so God is calling us to say, this is not bad, right? It's not bad. It's just there's more. To look not only at the center, but also at the edges and the people who are there. And so as a church, we band together and we help each other remember that, and we do things that none of us could do on our own. So it it makes my heart happy that yesterday there's 23 of you out in the August heat, repainting the home of a widow. She couldn't have done it without you. 
that we're making hygiene kits because Spicewood Elementary says what our kids really need is just little tiny soaps and toiletries and shampoos. Okay. We'll get you 200 of them is what we said at Bay Creek. We can get one for every kid. So every kid has those. Um, we're working with Lucinda Orphanage to minister to orphans in Guatemala. Where the kids in their little church, they're saving up money for rabbits and rabbit supplies for widows in Rwanda, right? We have a community garden, and I heard that there have been 710 pounds of fruits and vegetables that we have harvested this year and put into the hands of the hungry. Because we found out that there were hungry people, they had no access to that. So we're gonna help with that. Uh, the Refuge. We partner with that group to help abused girls find a home and find safety. I could go on and on. We have a Vista house down here. Did y'all know that? A transitional home that we give for free to someone through Helping Hand. All the time it's filled with transitional housing so that they're not homeless. So here's my question. Have you found the place where your heart can connect with people on the edges. We talk about when we join this church, each of us will give an hour. That's like leaving the fields, right? A cluster of grapes here or a sheaf of wheat. Or, it's not going to break us. It will challenge us, right? And together, when 600 people give an hour, it changes the world. Have you found where to give your hour? place that touches the life of someone on the edge? Have you found that place? Are you investing in it? If you haven't, I'll help you. I know you want to. I'll help you. Sue's here today. She's our outreach leader. She's at the very back. She can tell you where we need people, right? I mean, we'd like to have a whole day for Partners in Hope where Bee Creek does it. Instead of like getting together the whole, all these different churches, Sue's like, I think Bee Creek can do this on their own. It's that Sue, right? And they need reading buddies at Spicewood Elementary. It's 45 minutes. I'll give you the driving time as credit, right? That's your hour. Couldn't we help some kids read? Might they not be on the edges and need somebody to just help them and sit and read with them? Y'all, there's so many chances. But what I want, what I want today is if you haven't found your place, I'll help you find it. Most sensation is on the edges of things. And God's eyes are always there. He wants our eyes there too. And when we look there and when our hearts engage there, then it changes the world. And suddenly, instead of one piece of a tapestry, we get to see the full splendor of the work that God is doing. Let's pray together. God, we ask that you would help us to not just look at the center, but also to see and to care for those on the edge. It's different in every community who finds themselves on the edge. But let's, let us, Lord, your people, be the ones who remember that we are imperfect, we are sinners. You have lavished upon us grace that we do not deserve. And so help us to have concern and care for all of your children, especially the ones that other people overlook.
We ask this in your name. Amen.